Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're not so astonished at it. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Oh, such a lovely Friday morning out there. Prospects for the weekend weather-wise just glorious. Not exactly bamming off, not exactly. Tenerife, but dry, bright, and sunny, which is lovely for the weekend ahead. And come here, 99 days to Christmas. I just thought I'd throw it in. I spotted it this morning. 99 days to Christmas. And and that reminds me of a fella, I think this is Dundalk. It's a photograph doing the rounds on social media of a house uh, in Dundalk. He's already got the lights on. There's the reindeers and Santa and the angels and snowmen and you and reindeer you name it and the whole house is done up in like what September uh, now I don't know if that's really the earliest but that, that photo is doing the rounds all over the place this morning the house already done up up the country there are one or two houses that I've come across in Cork over the years where they never actually take them down I remember talked about this a few years ago and a woman rang me from uh, somewhere up the north side Nakahimi I think and said look we, we actually never take them down we just plug them in when we feel like plugging them in and if that means uh, a dull old night in August then they get plugged in in a dull old night in August <sighs> does anybody have a Christmas tree up already or is there anyone listening who never takes one down but I think that's definitely the first house in the country to go viral anywhere on social uh, with 99 days to Christmas, just thought I'd throw that in. There are scams, and there are scams, and there are scams. And some of the scams, when you read about them, you think, how would you get caught by that? Because some some scams are really subtle, and we know about that. We know how subtle they are. We know how far into them you can be before you realise something's up. Or, indeed, you mightn't realise something's up at all. This one seems to be really obvious. Like, why would you give your credit card to anybody to take it away in a taxi it sounds like you'd really want to be conned 
out of your last brain cell to do it. But it's happening around town. Sarah Horgan's writing about it in the Echo. Morning, Sarah. Hi, how are you? What's going on here? This, like, put your credit card into a taxi. Sounds like the most daft thing you would ever do. Yeah, it's 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 just bizarre, isn't it? And um, Brian Maxmini is um, our crime prevention officer in Cork, who's doing so much work behind the scenes, uh, getting us out there to try and uh, prevent more instances of this. Um, it, it does. We 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 always say it about ourselves. Oh, that would. Um, that would never happen to us. I would never fall for that. We almost boast of it. <laughs> We're nearly um, cocky about it. Could you maybe get a tiny bit closer to your phone, Sarah, if you would? Just a oh, tiny can you hear me okay now? That's better, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, the, the story with this one is um, people are handing their credit cards over to um, strangers, which does sound strange but there is a little bit of, of grooming we'll call it that happens before that okay. so there was one lady and she had signed up to a bin company and it was a legitimate bin company but it had been say cloned okay. so it looked like she was signing up for um, something that was very legitimate so she passed on all her details and later on, she got a separate call from somebody claiming to be uh, from AIB. So in her mind, these were two um, completely different scenarios. So she's getting the call from AIB and it seems like they already have her details. Um, and they're saying, we'll get someone to come out and collect your credit card. But the most incredible thing I think in this situation is actually getting through to someone from a bank it's so hard to get through to someone from a bank nowadays so when you're actually speaking to someone or you're face to face with someone um in um in a bank uh customer service doesn't stretch that far in an age where we can't get through to people even over the phone sarah why though i mean okay you said that the first her first conversation is with a perfectly legitimate bin company and then later she gets a call from someone purporting to be from AIB who say they want her credit card. But but why do they want her credit card? What what's what what are they asking? What are they asking? Well that that's the thing and you've probably got one of those texts before where you're somebody is saying that your credit card has been compromised. There are certain people in these situations and they panic. And um, when you're panic, and um, when you're stressed, you're often not thinking straight. So y- you you will do things in the heat of the moment. Oh. I think anyway. But yeah. The, the penny is, so mm-hmm. this call purporting to be from AIB tells you your card has been compromised, and you need to get the card to us so we can sort it out. Yeah, and there's time pressure there too. They will tell you. Um, we yeah we need to get somebody down quickly and time is of the essence but the thing is it's not we have to remember as well that it's not just um the person on the other end of this who's being scammed there's also the taxi driver because the taxi driver has nothing to do with this crime they just get a call and they're told i need you to collect somebody's credit cards 
Um, so there are a couple of taxi drivers um, walking um, around the place, happy as Larry, and they have I, I have no idea that they've unknowingly been an accessory to a crime. And that's quite frightening as well. I have a lot of sympathy for the taxi drivers yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the guards saying about this, Sarah? Because it, it sounds like one that you'd kind of twig it very quickly. They must be really professional and really slick the way they're doing this. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing about it as well is it's uh, it's similar to when we're speaking about sexual abuse victims. We're always looking for this um, this perfect um, victim, they'll call it, or this typical victim. And I was very surprised to learn that... Um, these the people who fell for it were under 50 the reason being is that you might get somebody who's in their 80s who might not be technologically savvy who might click in a link or they might think that this is a procedure or something standard that happens but when when we have somebody in their 40s who's very technologically savvy it's it makes it even more bizarre so I think even the Gardaí are um, surprised about this, even though I, I imagine nothing surprises them anymore. But Brian McSweeney is just really, really keen to um, get the message out there because um, forewarned is forearmed, basically. Now, AIB has said it's aware of this and they've issued an appeal to people, don't give your credit card to anybody. Yes, yes. And also to taxi drivers as well, or couriers, if you're told to collect a credit card and you're uh, delivering it to somebody standing outside pennies and you're, you're, or any place, um, if, if, you're, if, if your gut is telling you there's something wrong, there usually is. Yeah. Like someone was done out of what seven grand here. Yeah, it seems to be all. Um, it, it seems to be thousands each time, anyway. And what they will do is they will um, they will max it. So obviously, there's only a certain amount you can take out. So they'll go to an ATM in the evening. They'll go back first thing in the morning just to make sure they bleed as much out of them as possible, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Sarah, thank you. And it's being investigated, as you say, by the Crime Prevention Officer, Sergeant Brian McSweeney. Um, That's Sarah Horgan from The Echo, who's writing about this today. You get a message. You get a call. It's to do with AIB. There's a problem with your card. We'll act quickly. You need to get the card to us. We're going to send a taxi or a courier. Give them the card and we'll take care of the rest. You don't need to worry. You actually do need to worry. AIB have issued a statement to the Echo just to go through it again. Sarah did, but we'll go through it again. They say they're aware of a scam where customers have been asked to give their card to a taxi driver or courier and they want to re-stress AIB would never, ever, 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 ever ask a customer to do that. And also they're appealing to taxi drivers. If you find yourself in the middle of this, refuse. 
0818. Like if, you, if there's someone outside Penny's or in the middle of Patrick Street or standing outside a branch of the bank flagging you down and saying, can you ever go to Mrs. Woman's house at 6 Murphy Road or whatever and get... The, it's, it's a racket. But they're clearly very, very good at it. Very good at it. Actually, um, Anna Timms, who's a reporter with The Guardian, and Anna Marie, the Irish budgeting Mary, who we've had on before, they're all saying now they've been caught up in scam scenarios. And I was telling you the last couple of days, this harmless enough-looking one that's been going around where they're offering you a case of or a freezer full of free Heineken, I was halfway down that particular rabbit warren before I realised, oops, this ain't great. Yeah, someone just sent us a picture of a WhatsApp message they got or a text message they got. Due to unusual activity, your card has been placed on hold. Please visit, and there's a web address, and follow the on-screen instructions to reactivate your card. And it looks like it comes from a very legitimate number and all of that. That's going around. I got the scam the last few days that I won an Apple laptop. It's obviously a scam, but some people would get caught looking for card details to cover shipping. Says Jimmy, uh, pe- people should always be careful in restaurants or even shops when the cashier takes the card away. They should bring the machine to you. That's a thing, actually. Don't ever let someone take your card away when you're playing by card by paying by card at a restaurant. You don't have to do that anymore. We don't live in that world anymore. If they can't bring a card machine down to you, don't pay by card. 0818 96 96 96. There's another one going around on Facebook, and I can't say a whole pile about this at the moment. Stuff's still being verified in the background. But a woman is claiming on Facebook that she was scammed out of uh, 133 euro for Garth Brooks tickets on this Saturday night. And it all looks very legit. There's PayPal involved, etc., etc. And seems to have been a racket. It's going on on Facebook. They're everywhere, lads. They are absolutely everywhere. All the stars on one show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is George Ezra. What's up, y'all? I'm Beyonce. Hi, this is Harry Styles. Hi, I'm Lizzo. Hi, Ed Sheeran here. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks on your radio. Weeknights from 8 on Cork's 96FM. An article just come up with the Irish Times news website this morning. Um, it says profits at the ESB soared in the six months to the end of June amid surging energy prices. Uh, they are making revenue of 3.7 billion, which is up 2.2 billion. And all this is happening in the wake of increasing energy prices. So the profits at the ESB soaring in the first six months of the year. That comes out on the eve of the first cost of living protest. The national one will be in Dublin next weekend, but Cork starting it tomorrow, 17th, in the afternoon. Um, with what they're hoping will be a very, very big march in the city centre. It also comes out, as we read, that the EU... Well, we thought during the week when Ursula von der Leyen made this big speech at the EU that there'd be billions coming that would be taken off of the energy companies in a windfall tax. There'd be billions coming for Ireland 
But there isn't really going to be billions coming for Ireland. It won't be half as much as we thought it might be. It might help, but there won't be a whole pile of it. And also, we read in the Examiner that Ireland has not applied at all for a key EU funding initiative to continue continuity of energy supply. We have a habit in this country of there being EU money there to help with things and we're not applying for it. Hark at the fishermen a couple of weeks ago telling me here there's millions of euro available for the government to subsidise diesel prices for trawlers and they haven't even applied for it. And all of these stories uh, come in the context of tens of thousands of people struggling to feed their families and heat their homes and dreading the winter tomorrow. The organisers of tomorrow are hoping for a very big turnout in the city. Uh, Mick Barry, TD, morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Mick, I'd put it to you that regardless of the turnout tomorrow afternoon, the government is pretty much powerless in this because of the international situation, the economic situation, which is not caused by anything they've done. Don't think the government is powerless, uh, PJ. Um, I think there are uh, many things that it could do. Um, for example, on the housing front, uh, the idea of a freeze in rents or a cut in rents and then freezing it, the idea of ban on evictions, uh, these are things that can be done. We saw a ban on evictions during COVID. Um, I suppose people's focus and minds are mainly at the moment on the energy price increases. Yeah. Uh, and in your introduction there, you spoke about a $3.7 billion, uh, revenue uh, for the ESB over a relatively short period of time. The profits for last year there was 679 million. Now, who owns the ESB? Mm. (laughs) The ESB is a state-owned company. But they do give give money back. They do give a stake back to the government out of that, a sizable one. There is uh, about a 10% um, cut uh, for the state uh, from that. Uh, That's what happens in normal times. But these are not normal times, and they require extraordinary measures um, and why would uh, a government that was serious about tackling this crisis not say uh, that the ESB will operate now um, on a not-for-profit basis and will whittle down those profits uh, uh, in order to uh, freeze the price of electricity, freeze the price of uh, gas? So the government would have you beware, uh, believe that inflation is like the weather and there's nothing that can be done about it. But inflation is man-made and it can be tackled uh, by governments as well if the will is there to do it. It's not a solely Irish problem, I think was probably what I was saying to you, Mick. We're not the only country in the world that's struggling right now. Every country in the world, particularly across the EU, is struggling with the cost of energy. People are struggling everywhere with the cost of living. It's, it's, it's just an unpleasant fact of life at the moment. Yeah, look, uh, clearly uh, this is affecting uh, every country and every population. Uh, Clearly there are issues like COVID. Um, There are issues uh, in particular like the uh, murderous invasion of Ukraine by the Putin regime, uh, which are important factors here. But what the government tends to play down uh, is the level of profiteering that is going on 
all around us. Mm. For example, for example, uh, Tesco, who measure their profits as Republic of Ireland and UK combined, uh, more than two billion pounds last year. SSE Electricity, uh, more than one billion pounds last year, and that's before we come on to the figures for the ESB uh, and the like. So. What we are saying tomorrow mm-hmm. is that it is completely unacceptable that uh, ordinary people have to worry about putting food on the table for their families this winter. Old people have to worry about being frozen in their homes this winter when there are vast profits being made by the energy companies, by the supermarkets, by the landlords and others. Mm-hmm. And you're suggesting the government would do what, for example, to Tesco? And and not just do what, how would they do it? Okay, well, rather than focus on, on, on that one example... No, no, no let, let's, let's, let's go for that one example, Mick. Let's take a company like Tesco, like Supervalue, like Dunn's, like any one of them, who are making and have made large profits throughout COVID and indeed are continuing to make profits throughout this. You say the government should be able to do something. What and how? Okay, well, there's two things could be done. First of all, there is a piece of legislation called the Consumer Protection Act. Uh, it's 2006, could be 2007, Seven, in and around actually. late Celtic Tiger times, yeah. And in the Consumer Protection Act, there is a power given to the government to fix prices. We saw an example of this recently when we saw the minimum pricing for alcohol, yeah? Yeah. So if you can have minimum pricing for alcohol, you also can have maximum pricing for other goods. The legislation gives the power to the government to fix the price for a basket of goods for a period of six months and, if necessary, to renew that order for another period of six months. I know you can do it for so, the likes of petrol and diesel, and people were calling for it months ago, but seriously, seriously, can you do it for the price of bread, cheese, and milk? Yes, you can. I mean, only a couple of months ago, we saw it done for the price of alcohol, which is sold in off-licenses and supermarkets. So it can be done for the price of bread, cheese, and milk, which is sold <laughs> not in off-licenses, mm. but uh, certainly in supermarkets. Uh, that is, a, that is a, a power that the government has, and I think it should be enforced. Um, the idea of nationalisation is an idea that uh, comes back onto the agenda here. Some countries in Europe have nationalised yeah. their energy. See, industries Germany, Germany in fairness, is moving to nationalise some of its companies, yeah. Yeah, and uh, where that can be done, there can be complications for sure, but where that can be done... Uh, it's something that should be done. Uh, so the energy industry in Ireland uh, could be and should be taken into public ownership and run in the interests of people in this crisis rather than making the maximum profits uh, for the shareholders. I think a few years ago, people would have said, oh, that's the socialists, raw mating on. I think a lot of people now would say, well, that's common sense and it's the type of thing we need to talk about. Yeah. So are you expecting a big crowd tomorrow, Mick? Um, I have to say uh, that I am. Um, uh, it's notoriously uh, tricky trying to estimate crowd sizes in advance, as you'll know from your profession down through the years, PJ. But I'll say with certainty from the feedback we've had so far that we had a thousand people on the streets in June, and this is going to be bigger, and it's going to be significantly bigger. Um, now, how big it will be, 
depends on the people listening to the radio show who've mm. said, I'm going to go or I'm thinking of going, whether they say, okay, <laughs> I'm taking that hour out tomorrow and I'm going to be in the Grand Parade mm. at 2 o'clock. We have a couple of calls coming in. I, I, think that, I think this is shaping up to be the largest protest seen in the city since the water charges protests. And I would certainly make a last-minute appeal, if you like, for people okay. to... You've told us during the week, are going, now go. Yeah, I, a couple of people on the phone here, Mick. Um, two callers accusing yourselves and other left-wing groups, Sinn Féin perhaps, of to just trying to stoke up public opinion and secure a few votes for yourself when an election comes and that actually all the feet you get on the street tomorrow won't accomplish anything at the end of the day. That's coming in on the phone. Also, people saying that the trade unions are standing idly by as as wages are to effectively be cut. Now, I'm not too sure what that's about, but... Yeah. Okay, there's two There's two points there, so we'll take them one at a time. So, um, on the thing about it's not going to make any difference, um, I'm sure that, you know, when the women and the suffragettes started organising to get women the vote, there were people on the sidelines who said, oh, you're only wasting your time, it's not going to make any difference. Look, mm. if, 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 if you try, you might succeed, and you might not. If you don't try, you will never succeed. So, I don't have much time for that argument. And what's being done tomorrow is is it's giving people a chance. Look at the energy companies have had their say, the landlords have had their say. Tomorrow is an opportunity for the people who've been complaining to have their say and to take action on the issue of the trade unions. What I'd say to you is this: uh, very appreciative of the fact that the Cork Council of Trade Unions. Uh, has uh, circulated all its affiliated unions and appealed to them to organise to bring people out on the streets tomorrow. And we hope that we see a lot of trade unionists there. Uh, On the issue of the pay deal, um, well, certainly, you know, I'm an admirer of people like Connolly and Larkin, and I'd like to see that spirit come back into the trade union movement. And I think that if they were offered pay increases, which were not really pay increases, but when you take inflation into account, were actually pay cuts, they would not be recommending support for that. They would be balloting their members for industrial action mm. and they would be getting their members out on the streets in huge numbers to put pressure on the government. And I think that's the way that the unions yeah. uh, should be going at the moment. So, Someone on the phone who would be a regular enough caller to the show and wouldn't always be on your side of the argument, shall we say, Mick, is making a point and it's a valid one. I remember the pensioners' protest. It was so big, I actually went up to it in Dublin when there was a, a possible change in their medical card status. And the numbers that converged on the door that day, it got sorted quick. So, so do you think that... Um, do you, 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 do you, you, you really do believe that feet on the street can get something changed, Mick? I'm not, I'm not a naive person, uh, PJ. I, I, I don't operate under the illusion that a huge crowd in Cork tomorrow and a massive crowd at the national protest in Dublin the following Saturday is going to sort this. I think it can put some significant pressure on the government to go a bit further than they're planning uh, in the budget, but I don't think the government uh, will go nearly far enough. I don't have faith in them in that. So therefore, what's required isn't just a one-off protest, but an actual campaign, a sustained campaign, which is fought in the communities, in the workplaces, in society over the winter months. So t- tomorrow will just be a start, I think. 
Okay. Mick, thank you. Mick Barry, uh, Solidarity uh, TD. 0818969696. Are you going tomorrow? Do you intend to go tomorrow? What do you hope that tomorrow will achieve? I, I'm, a, I'm away for the weekend, so I won't be around tomorrow. But I think I would. I'd come in for a couple of reasons. One, to see the numbers that actually turn out. Two, to hear what's actually said there. Um, but will you be going tomorrow? I know Katrina Toomey and if there's a more sincere person out there in terms of the cost of living and how people are struggling I don't think we'll ever find one Mick says I drive a lorry I listen to the radio all day and when you hear the news the overwhelming theme is greed at the top table from every country I've great time for Katrina and the work she does Cork would be a much more cruel place to live without her which is a very good point Morris we need an election that's what we need and that's what people should march for Oh, God, don't, don't, Morris, don't draw an election on us in the middle of all of this, please. The last one was trouble enough. And remember how long it took to sort out the mess the last time? 0818 96 96 96. Now, we have been sent a copy of a letter uh, which has been circulated to parents at the schools St. Brendan's and St. Mark's at the Glen. And the letter says there is a process considering changing St. Brendan's and St. Mark's in the Glen from a Catholic school to a multi-denominational one. There'll be a consultation session this morning at the school. Now, we're waiting to hear more about that, but have you got someone at that school? Are you connected to that school? Do you know about this? What are your views? So, St. Brendan's and St. Mark's School at the Glen, letter gone around to parents, consultation process apparently underway today. The plan is, according to the letter, which we've seen a copy of, according to the letter, the plan is to change St. Brendan's and St. Mark's schools in the Glen from a Catholic school to a multi-denominational one. Are you familiar with the letter? What are your thoughts? The Cork Diary. Cork's 96FM. Upper Glanmire Community Association presents its Family Fun Day on Sunday the 25th of September. There'll be games like tug of war and sack races, a children's art competition, vintage cars, fun fair rides, the Upper Glanmire Bake Off and much, much more. For more details on the event, check out Upper Glanmire Community Association on Facebook. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers from a diverse range of backgrounds in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96fm. I'll come back to your thoughts on the protest tomorrow and the whole cost of living situation. I promise I will. It might be after 10, but I promise I will. John says he's definitely not going tomorrow and he gives a reason as to why. And there's a quite an engaged discussion over on the proc, which is unusual. Normally they don't get that engaged. They're just there to give out. But they've got some interesting comments going on over there too. So it's all coming. And if you have something to say on the march tomorrow, why you will or will not be going, a great way to do it is on a voice note to 083 396 96 so drop, drop. That's because you mightn't be able. You might want to say something now, and maybe you know you mightn't be around after ten. That's the best way. The Ireland's future. I, I call it a movement. I don't know whether it's fair to call it a movement. I'll check that in a second. But the Irish Ireland's future movement started a year or two ago. 
remember being, being asked to be involved in one of their events and I, I wasn't available. And I remember Senator Francis Black contacting me about it and feeling passionate about it. And now it is gone international. They had events in the States earlier this year. They have a huge one coming up on Saturday, October 1st in the Three Arena in Dublin, which they hope to pack out. It's Ireland's future preparing for a new Ireland. And as I said, this movement, such as it is, has been going on now for a couple of years and very involved with it is actor and comedian Ty Kiki. Morning, Ty. Hi, PJ. How are you, buddy? How are things? I'm very good, sir. I'm very good. Why are you so passionately involved? Well, what is it first? Is it a movement or what is it? And why are you so passionately involved with it? Because you are. Yeah, I think it's. I think a movement is an accurate um, description. Yeah, but it's a, a it's a civic movement. It's not. Um, it's not politician based. It's from ordinary people who just want to have the conversation about unity. And I suppose post Brexit, and um, those conversations have really started to accelerate. I suppose, and the reasons that I would be uh, very passionate about is that for a long time I'm very interested in the north. And um, since I was a kid, I mean that was my first entry into politics. And I suppose. I would have a lot of friends in the nationalist community in the north and I just feel like for a long time in the south they're kind of forgotten about and even when we have conversations about unity there's often a stress on we need to reach out to the unionist community and make them feel welcome in the United Ireland but I actually think that nationalists get forgotten in that conversation that we actually need to reach out to nationalists and as well and make, and make them feel welcome, you know. So I just think, like, would, you know, would we like to be under Westminster rule at the moment, in this particular moment in time, you know? So, like, with this particular Tory government, I think now is real time to reach out and do our bit to to try and to mend bridges from, from the past and not just to bolt the north onto the south, but to try and build a new uh, Ireland together, I think. I think that's the thinking behind the Ireland's future. Do you think, Tyg that there's a genuine want out there among ordinary folk sitting, reading their paper, trying to feed and clothe their kids and stuff. Do you think there's a want out there for a say on the United Ireland? Do you think ordinary folk here in Cork, for example, care? I think they do. Like, I did something recently for a for a TV pilot. We were talking to people on the street, and I think the average person in Cork, in their heart, I think, would like to, would like to see United Ireland. I think the problem can be that we have these things in our heads, which I think are myths, really, and they, they take a very strong hold in our heads. So one would be that we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. But I would say, like, under the current system of housing and, and health and the way this jurisdiction is being run, you could argue that we can't afford it. But what people in Ireland's future are talking about is kind of coming together and having conversations about how we can build a new Ireland, like a new, not just bolting one jurisdiction onto the other, that we could almost like rip it up and start again. Mm. And as well as that, there's like economists of the caliber of David McWilliams and others, other European economists have, have done the costings. And although like there's the original cost of covering the subvention that the North gets from the UK, but, but projections to, for the next 10 or 20 years, the opportunities economically of, having one jurisdiction instead of two where you don't have two currencies, you don't have two health systems, you don't have two everything. There's massive opportunities there for North and South to be connected. Um, And I think that's one of the things that we have to, because I mean, some people will vote with their heart, I think, but most people, you're right, will vote with their heads and they need to be convinced that it's an opportunity rather than a burden. I'm sure you followed the election in the North very closely as I did back in May and we have a, a Cork woman 
standing by exactly, yeah. to be a first minister up there. But it's not going to happen. And anyone watching the situation kind of half knows they'll be going for a second election later in the year. Now, if they can't even organise to elect someone first minister after an election up there, how on earth, Tyg, can they possibly organise to unite the country? It it just looks like bad stuff to even think about. I I yeah I, I mean I I politely disagree because I think that I mean the the DUP and the more hardline uh, version of unionism is pushing itself further and further into a corner and I think on a national level and in these islands and even on a European level people are seeing more and more that they're holding on to some kind of vision of the past where they had control and power. And like you, you even just saw there recently with the the vis- visit of King Charles, that <clears throat> it was supposed to be a moment for the DUP and the TUV to to pay their respects to the Queen and enjoy that kind of moment. And Sinn Fein won that PR battle, like. And I'm not yes. saying they did it deliberately, but you know, here and abroad, everyone can see like these guys are dealing with with it with dignity, and they're looking to the future. And I yeah. think the DUP are looking to the past. And now I think it's incumbent on the South to help the North. Uh, Northern Nationalists and Michelle O'Neill and those people to realise that dream by getting more involved in the conversation and that's what's actually happening to be fair on October 1st you have the likes of Leo Varadkar taking part in it Jimmy Nesbitt who's from a unionist background yes <coughs> to me do you know like that's that's very very new stuff yeah it is and it's a, it's an active conversation and going on for a number of years now and I guess it's gone on since you and I were kids and it's a long time ago since I was yeah. a kid you know and we'll see we'll see I want to bring in the Reverend Karen uh, Sutherman who will be part of the event in, in, in Dublin Karen good morning good morning thank you so much for having me here today thank De- you so much delighted and, and I had the opportunity across the two summers of lockdown such as it were to visit the north uh, more than I'd ever done before, and and you kind of, I kind of got a sense of of what it's like up there, Karen. In order to unite the country, you'd need to pass a border poll on both sides of the border. Could it happen? Do you think? Yeah, yes, I actually do. I really believe it, it can. Um, I'm actually from. I was born into a unionist background, and I think that I represent. Um, many voices that have grown up in that tradition that are beginning to ask what I think are really good questions. And I think that, you know, we've experienced 100 years of partition. We look at the Tory government. We kind of look at the the union at the moment and and, and kind of our place in that. And I think people, um, particularly those of us who've grown up in what is known as the Troubles, I think people are asking questions like, is there anything better? You know, is there is there is there a way that we can create something new, and create a vision that brings uh, us together? And and I think those are those are good questions to ask. And actually, what is interesting, PJ, is that the ground is swelling. There are conversations taking place from kitchen tables to sports clubs to business events. And and being part of Ireland's future future for me is an absolute honour because I get to be part of that, not just to, t- to speak, but to listen. And I think that people in the North, and, and I think Ty hit this, that we can either be chained to our past or begin to take steps towards the future. Mm. That's not in any way to say that we can't make today better, but we can't make today better without having our eye on where we're heading and what our future looks like. Yeah. 
something that I did when I was up there on holidays was talk to people and and get a sense of how they were. And the thing, Karen, that I I said is that people who lived, like you said, through the troubles mm-hmm. and welcomed the peace when it came in the nineties, some of them they would be terribly fearful, terribly mm-hmm. fearful of going backwards. And that in order to look forward, we also have to avoid going backwards. Is that possible? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's safe to say, listen, we, we are certainly post-armed conflict. There's no doubt about that. But we're still, PJ, we're still a very conflicted people. Yeah. And I guess, I guess what, how, I would, how I would respond to that is that, of course, we need to handle these conversations with grace and sensitivity. But what is our alternative? To remain where we are, to continue in this path of partition, to belong to a union that, that, let's be honest, we're not the priority. (laughs) You know, we're kind of like the stepchild of the union. Nobody really knows why we're here, why we're there. We're like the family member that that (laughs) seems to be tossed to the side. Mm. And I guess, I guess for me, Ireland's future and engaging in these conversations is healthy because we need to have people of vision and we need people on the ground from the grassroots right up. Does that mean that people are fearful? Absolutely. And we need to have the courage to, to talk about that and, and to be able to flesh that out. Yeah. But the ultimate goal is to create a better home for us all. One of the things that mentioned is is Brexit. And and it, p- people sometimes need to be reminded that back in 2016, when that poll happened, Northern Ireland said, no, thank you. <laughs> Loudly and clearly to Brexit. No, thank you. Take it away. Don't want it. Don't want nothing to do with it. And yet Northern Ireland would seem to be the part of the UK, sorry to use that expression, but let's say, let's use it, that's suffering most or potentially has most to lose through through Brexit. Yeah. That's a live conversation, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I mean, I think that Brexit has probably, I mean, even though this conversation has been ongoing, Brexit has, it has accelerated us to this place. It has caused the rising of this conversation to, to, to create a lot of momentum and I think what we need to do in that, PJ, is that we need to learn from Brexit. We need to learn the mistakes that a lack of planning, a lack of conversation, a lack of exploring all options it is not an option. We must do the work beforehand. I truly believe a border pull is coming. And I am heartbroken that the people in Northern Ireland wanted to be part uh, and remain part of the EU. And it, that didn't happen. But I don't, if I'm honest with you, PJ, for me, this isn't just about being part of the EU. For me, this is, though that's amazing, but for me, it's more than that. It's about what is it that we want to hand on to the people that are coming behind us? What is, what is it that we want to hand on to our children and our grandbabies? And I don't want to hand on the same cycle of despair and cycle of not knowing where we're going and cycle of being divided because... PJ, listen, let's remember, in, in Northern Ireland and across our island, we are bigger than two communities. Yes. We are bigger than two communities. And that's why the work of Ireland's future has sought to it be inclusive and bring voices in from other communities because this is a sense of, as we're doing in October, together we can do this. You know, we need to dare to dream of something better. And I think there's room at the table for us all. Yeah. Yeah, certainly among. Would you would you think, Karen, 
among younger people the, 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 if you like and I, I bring up her name because I read her book after her death and such a wonderful writer and such a gift she was, Lyra McKee the people of, of Lyra's generation, do you think there's a feeling among that generation to move forward and, and unite the country? Yes, absolutely. I mean, my, my, my own children fall into that category. I have two late teens, uh, sorry, one in her late teens and one in her early 20s. And they are both, you know, saying to me, Mom, this is what we want. And and they would even say themselves, because they have lots of friends in the south of Ireland, that when they go over there, there is a freedom. And that's not to say, by the way, and I've talked to Tag about this before, it's not to say that somehow, you know, the south is better and we're, we're, we're not. Hmm. There's a lot of work to do, but... But it's that sense of when they come back north, they feel the weight of what's happening up here. And those mm. things need to be worked out. But there is certainly, I, what I, from what I gather, and certainly conversations, I, I held a, a survey and put some questions to 100 young people, and all of them wanted a better future. All of them wanted to break away from this conflict conversation to begin to move into something better. And none of those young people... None of those young people, PJ, mentioned a flag. What was important to them was having a shared and a new future. And and I think it's on us. It's on us who's a bit older um, with their participation to be able to create that. I think we owe that uh, to to our people. We really do. The next stage in the conversation will be at the Three Arena in Dublin on Saturday, October the 1st. Ticket details, you can find it. Just search Ireland's Future. Uh, three Arena. Big event coming up 1st of October. Thank you both. Thank you to Kiki and thank you Reverend Karen Sutherman who will be part of the conversation. Will it happen? Will it happen in my lifetime? I don't know. Will it happen in our children's lifetime? I don't know that either. But it's a conversation worthy of having. Get back and listen. Now you can ask your smart speaker to play Corks 96 FM. Play Corks 96 FM. Please enough speaker. There are now even more ways to listen to Cork's 96FM. Tune in on your radio, online, on your mobile. Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. A lot of interest in that discussion on the future of Northern Ireland. And as that discussion and as um, the movement, such as it is, is, Ireland's future gains traction. I think we'll be talking about it more and more. Brilliant words from the Reverend Karen there, says Faulkner. So positive and constructive and forward-thinking. I'm definitely going on the 1st of October. Thank you for that, Faulkner. And Tom says, uh, Karen made great sense in her contribution. The reunification of Ireland is inevitable. Very powerful groups have to be taken out of the equation and they've been in control for over 100 years. Ireland has partitioned, Ireland was partitioned behind closed doors by them. Thank you. And I'll come back to that. And again, if you have any thoughts on a united Ireland. And look, as Tyg said, and as Karen was saying, we've got to think beyond the economic question. This thing, oh, well, we can't, one, we, can, we can't afford to run what we have, let alone run the North as well. That's one argument. 
The second argument concerns the NHS. Would the people of the North give up their NHS to take their health care from the HSE? Both of those arguments are much smaller ones than, than the bigger question. And we'll come back to it. Thank you to all who are interested in that. Also, your comments on the protest tomorrow, whether you're going, whether you're not, still welcome. I will come to them. I'm holding off on them for a little while. If you are going tomorrow, uh, tell me why. If you're not going tomorrow, tell me why. Uh, if you haven't got the time to hang around until we're reading those comments, pop it into a voice note at 083 396 96 96 and we'll come back to it during the morning. 0818 96 96 96. If someone was to ask me tomorrow, PJ, what are the proudest moments of your career? You've been doing this job a while. What would be the proudest moments of your career? And I think I'd answer it with one word. Besbra. Because when I started writing and broadcasting about Besbra, it was before it was a thing that everybody did. I made friends through my involvement in adoption activism and stuff like that. And I broke some stories about Besbra back in the day. Um, and sometimes it was difficult to break those stories because the conversation was not yet being had. So I think if I was to say, of all the work I've done in my life as a journalist, Besbra would be the one of which I'm most proud. And being involved in the commemorative committee for a number of years, I, I really am proud of that. Which is why, when this book landed on my desk, I thought, I've got to read this book. It's called Three Women, Three Decades, Three Stories of Courage. It's written by Deirdre Finnerty, uh, formerly a BBC journalist. Um, and I, I, one of your women, Terry Deirdre, is familiar to me. I've met her at some of the commemorations uh, that we have every June. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Um, and yes, Terry's a lovely lady. I'm sure you've met her because she's been many involved. Many times, in, many times. Many times, yeah. yeah. And just to kind of to pay tribute to you and the other journalists who covered this story, you know, long before anybody was listening and long before people felt comfortable to talk about it in the way they the way they can talk about it now. I think the point you made at the start of this conversation is a it's a really good one because it's local journalists in Cork and elsewhere that have really brought this story yeah. to the to the yeah. fore. Guys like, like Conal O'Farr to have a huge thing. Absolutely. Huge... Um, this book, Deirdre, you could not have written 20 years ago. You just couldn't have written I couldn't. I couldn't because people wouldn't have been... Um, as ready to talk, um, and they wouldn't have felt that they'd have been listened to. I think as well. Um, it would, it would it have been dismissed as yeah. fiction, Deirdre. Yeah, I think it. I, I'm, think, um, I grew up. Uh, yeah. I, I grew up ten minutes walk from Besborough. It would have been dismissed as fiction twenty years ago. I think you're right, but then you growing up from growing up, you know, in the shadow of Besborough, would you, you? You probably would have heard a lot of the stories that were in the oh, book. Yeah. So I'm wondering, even if it was dismissed as fiction, there was probably a lot of stuff in the in the back of your head oh, that yeah. probably yeah. rang true true yeah. to you when you were reading the book. So it's it's three stories of three women, not so much their time there, which is told, but how they try to rebuild their lives afterwards. And the thing that we all know, you actually can't. Yeah. Well, I think you've just picked up on the main point of the book and what I wanted to do and what the women wanted to do, which is you know, a, a mate, three fantastic and incredible women who were so generous to participate in the book, Joan, Terry and Deirdre, 
that, you know, they wanted to focus on the long term impact on their lives because, you know, what we can see in a lot of the coverage is can focus on the time in the mother and baby home, the mother and baby institution, but not so much about what happens afterwards. And the three women involved were very, very good at describing and detailing that about how it impacted them, you know, for decades afterwards. But I think what also comes through in that book is just how resilient and mm. how strong they were. Um mm overcoming what they had to overcome and I think when people read the book that's the thing that they get in touch with me about they say oh my god I can't believe the strength of these three women and they've Mm. done such a huge service in telling their stories. But if you look at Terry who I said as I said I've met many times do you know Mm. bright and bubbly and funny and inside is so much hurt yeah so much hurt and she's Absolutely. And she'll openly talk about it. Uh, she's very good at describing her feelings and how she feels about how, about things even now. Because Terry, she's, as she said in the book and as she said in other places, she hasn't managed to be reunited with no. the son that she had in a mother and baby institution. And that affects her to this yeah. day. And she's very open about that. At one but point, equally, I was trying to help her. At one point, mm-hmm. I was trying to see, could I track him down for her? Uh, made some headway, some headway, but not a lot. The important thing too, Deirdre, is that the the the, the book is their words. It's not your interpretation of their words. It's their words. It's yeah. I mean, we did a lot of hours of interviews, and then I'd kind of put it down, and you know, they all had seen drafts, and then had come back and said, "Well, actually." this bit is kind of maybe could be tweaked here or actually, you know, on reflection, maybe I felt a bit more like this. And, you know, they were so patient and so um, invested in sort of representing it um, properly and they played it, they paid a lot of attention to it. So, yeah, I mean, the, the opportunity to work with them and to, to work with them to represent things clearly and accurately in a way that they felt comfortable with was a huge privilege mm. and one that I'll always remember. Um, and also, they, they, they were all really good storytellers, the three of them. Yeah. You know, you can tell that when you read the book that they just, they, they yeah, they, they just have a real sense of, you know... Um, vivid. It's how very to make vivid. Sto- yeah, it's very vivid how to make the story relevant to a younger audience. And that yes. was a big thing, Um for the three women they wanted you know to leave a record of it so that younger generations would learn from it and that came out very clearly I think in the accounts that they gave mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why three from three different decades dear did what were you trying to what point were you trying to make in with three from three different decades I think three from different decades I think what it shows is that although conditions might have changed you know the very harsh descriptions that Joan would be given in the 60s and then the kind of the softer descriptions that, that Deirdre would have given in the 1980s, I think it showed that while on the surface some things had changed, ultimately the outcome for women, you know, who found themselves pregnant outside marriage in that era, um, ultimately, you know, even two days, decades later, the outcome was the same. Deirdre still lost her child in the 1980s. So some things had changed, but actually fundamentally things hadn't really changed much at all. And I think that was the point that I was trying to make. And I think that's the point that that's something that came out very clearly in the book, I think. And when people have read it now, it's been out a few months, they've been getting in touch to say, oh, I didn't actually see that there was much difference between the 80s and the 60s. And that surprised me. Yeah, it was just the words were different. 
Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. But the outcome was the same. Yeah. You, you talk of a Joan coming back in 2019. You talk of an event she came to. That was the commemoration when we had to move it in out of the rain. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, yeah. it, it really is very, 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 very vivid, like you say. Absolutely. And I know the commemoration is something you've played a big part in, you know, for a number of years. And a lot of people have mentioned you as well, I should say that. Are you, are you, are you, were you surprised at the stories when they told them? I was. I was, PJ. I have to say I was because um, while I thought I knew what had gone on, I hadn't realised the extent of it. Yes. And I think when I talk to friends my age, you know, I'm in my 30s or even cousins that are younger than me in my 20s, or I think people were really kind of shocked at the extent. They didn't quite realise just how things were. And, you know, that this was kind of uh, actually something that was, I suppose, touched every family and that it was so much harsher, I think, than we can have ever imagined. Mm. Something that was always very hard for me personally to understand, and I think for many others, was so many of these women were sent to Besbra by their own mothers. Mm-hmm. Hard um, to understand that. I think, you know, you'll have spoken to a lot of people who've gone through Besbra um, over the years and... Yeah, I'm sure, you know, many would have, have told you that, you know, their their families knew they were in Bespera and uh, that the families felt there was no other solution. Um, it is very complicated. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly in the case of some other people I've spoken to, sometimes they didn't tell their families out of shame. So I think shame's to blame for all of that, I think. Yeah, and, and throughout the rest mm. of their life, you know, the child they had mm. in Besbra was their mm. secret. And sometimes they mm-hmm. would they would marry and they'd have a, a happy family life with, with children, with their husband. And then they would bring up the story many years later. Oh, by the way, did you know? And mm-hmm. it could smash mm. up the marriage. Um, I think, you know, that, that didn't seem to be the case in... no in terms of the women I had spoken no, to for the book. But certainly, you know, other women I've spoken to wouldn't feel comfortable in telling kind of close family members or friends about it, even to this day. Um, and that's something that's just incredibly sad, isn't it? That people have to feel that they have to keep a part of themselves hidden. Yeah. I think it's a book, Deirdre, that is important for young people to read. Yeah. That was the point of it. That was... What the what the uh, the editor and I had kind of very clear in my mind from the start. You know, it was a, it was an entry point for younger younger people to really understand what went on. And um, I've been delighted to see that you know a lot of young people have been reading it and getting in touch about it. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I know particularly Terry and Deirdre, of course, in the book, who is a former teacher and a brilliant communicator. She was. She was. She really wanted younger audiences to learn about it as well. So I'm heartened to see that that, that the book is doing that. Yeah, uh, and because young people have great activism. God, we talk to them here on this program on many different subjects, and young people are filled with activism. And I often said that if what happened at Besbra and the other homes, if it happened in some far flung corner of the world, and we found out about it in our teens, we'd be outraged. 
it happened down the road. Read that book. We need the, the women who went to Besborough, the children who were born in Besborough, the 800 and something children who are unaccounted for still out of Besborough. Mm-hmm. I would argue they need books like this. Well done for writing it. Thank you very much, PJ. And um, thank you for supporting it. And that the book is, if the book exists, it's down to the generosity of the women who spoke to me and not just the women who are featured, but a whole host of other women spoke to me on background to help me with my research. And it's thanks to the generation, the, the generosity of their community that, that, that the book is even in the world. So they've done us an absolutely unbelievable service in speaking to me. Right. And I've just so much respect for all of them. Right, dear, dear, that book is available at the moment in all good bookshops. Uh, Besborough, Three Women, Three Decades, Three Stories of Courage, written by Deirdre Finnerty. And it's not an academic tome which some books like this are. It's a really easy, well, it's a hard read, but you'll read it easily enough. And Joan is from Cork. She's a retired nurse and social worker. Terry is from Dublin, but spends a lot of time down here. And Deirdre Wadding is a former primary school teacher living in Wexford. All of them, all of them went through the hellhole that was Besborough. 0818 Kate says the church had huge power were very influential in parents sending their daughters to Besborough. You're right, Kate. Not unconnected, I suppose. Am I cheeky for saying that? But that note we read out earlier on, this note that's going around to parents of St. Brendan's and St. Mark's School in the Glen, that the school is changing from a Catholic school to a multi-denominational one, and there's a consultation session going on. Uh, we're asking if anybody's heard about that. Uh, please note the parents of St. Brendan's in, in the Glen are currently in a meeting with the reconfiguration personnel. That came by email. Yeah, we're aware of that. We're aware of that, but thank you anyway. You guys ready? We're jiving, we're jiving. The Big Drive Home, weekdays from four. On Cork's 96FM. Whether you're leaving work, school or college, make sure you're with me every evening on The Big Drive Home. I've got celebrity chats. Every summer I'd be going to the bog. I can confirm a tea break at the bog is the best. I've got all things Cork, and I mean all things. Speaking of tattoo fails, I have the crests that the Cork County Council vans have on my shoulders. And I've got the music that you want to hear. Tunes, trumpets, no better feeling. So all we need is you. Join me, Lorraine, every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home on Cork's 96FM. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jimmy was a bit cross with me. Morris, after we talked about the cost of living protest tomorrow, Morris was saying we need a general election. And I said, God, Morris, don't draw a general election on us, whatever you do. Uh, Jimmy was cross with me because he said I was dismissing Morris's comment. I wasn't actually, Jimmy. No, I wasn't mis- dismissing it at all. I was literally saying, don't draw another general election on me. It would be my 10th <laughs> and probably my 35th or 36th election uh, over the years to cover. And a, a general election is like 24-7 for the likes of me for a month. But at the same time, they're great fun. But thank you for that. Jimmy wants to know, would we do a poll as to whether people want a general election or not? They can't hurt us, was. We might do it in a minute. We'll see. Thanks, Jimmy. 0818 Now, we, we mentioned in talking to Deirdre there about her book, about activism, and particularly activism among the young, which is why a book like this is so important to be written, or to be read, rather, by young people. One thing the young people are leading the, the way on to is protesting and taking up the activism on behalf of the climate and climate change. And we were contacted in the last few days by Leah Collin, who is part of the Fridays for Future in Cork. They're a global youth organisation, but they also have a branch here in Cork. They're organising a strike for 23rd of September, which is this day week, uh, starting at the Grand Parade. And they'll have a demonstration uh, at the after their march. I'm joined on the line by Leah and by her friend Eva Bresnan. Good morning to you both. Hi, Leah. Hi, Eva. Hi. Hi. Leah, I, I'll start with you, seeing as you wrote to us. Why do you think it's so important to get out on the streets and protest about the climate? Well, we really just want to pressure all the people in power to make a change and to cut down on the emissions that they put out. Because, like, we want to live in this world when we're old. We don't want to have to, like, resort to other things. What kind of things do you want them to do and do when? Um, we want them to make Ireland more sustainable, whether that's recycling or re- cutting down with energy use. And we want it to be done fast because we, we're running out of time. Eva, are you worried? What age are you both? We're both 13. Both 13. Eva, you're 13 years of age. What worries you about the future? Well, it worries me that I won't be able to have children because there'll be no world that is like right for them to grow up in because like our world will basically just be a wasteland and the temperature will be too hot to live in. Um, so I basically, I just want a future for myself and any children or grandchildren I ever have. And do you think that what you say, the world would be a wasteland and whole parts of the world would be unlivable. Do you think that's likely to happen? You're 13 now. Do you think that's likely to happen by the time you say 23 or 24? I think yes, 100%, even sooner if we don't start making a change because you know what, we're nearly out of time and soon it's just going to be too late. And Leah, how would we start making a change? I mean, ordinary Um, individuals like me and you. Yeah, well, a thing you could do is to cut down on your plastic usage. Um, 
along, like all across the island, they're opening refill shops. So you could get like, let's say a plastic shampoo bottle, a reusable one, and you can go in and fill up your amount or preferred shampoo and then, you know, use it and then come back and refill it again. So you're cutting down on the amount of plastic you're throwing out. So it doesn't get, it doesn't end up in landfills. Sure. Sure. And that's just one simple thing that we could, that we could all do. So next Friday, 23rd, um, where are you going to gather and and how many people are you expecting will turn up, Eva? Um, so basically we've been advertising all around Cork. You might see our posters around the city and in suburbs. Um, it'll be starting at 12.30pm and we're going to be rallying at Grand Parade. Then we have a route for walking, for a walking strike. And we're expecting hopefully over 200 people. But, you know, it could be more, it could be less. You never know. Things like this help, though. Yeah. People... Leah, were a little bit critical in the past of marches like this and people would say, go into school and do your work. What would you, what would you, what would you yeah. say to that? Um, well, we were actually talking about this and we were going to say, like, at the end of the day, it's your future too and you're still living here. And even if, like, you won't be here for when the worst of it all comes down, your children and your grandchildren will be here and to suffer the consequences of your actions for not helping and not putting anything forward. Mm. And you're all very young and very idealistic. What would you like to see, Eva, in 10 years' time? What would you like to see changed? Or even five years? In 10, five years, I would like to see everyone being aware about climate change and about climate justice. Like, things like climate action being taught as a subject. In fact, our school actually teaches it as, as a subject, and it's a great way to educate young people and other people alike on what they can do to change. I'd like to see more recycling, more like green energy, and just being, just more people being aware of the fact that we need to change and what's going to happen if we don't. Okay. Leah and Eva, thank you both. So Leah, 12 o'clock, is it 12 o'clock on the 23rd? Half 12. Half past 12, 23rd at the Grand Parade. And you'll march and you'll come back and have a rally at the end of it. Uh, 13 years of age, both of them, Leah Collin and Eva Bresnan. And thanks to their parents for giving them the okay to chat with me on the opinion line. That event is next Friday, 12.30, 23rd of September. Uh, The youth, I guess, the youth taking the lead and telling us what they believe we need to do for our future and for theirs. Thank you both. On the march tomorrow, Bernie says, I won't be going. I feel that when Mick was talking to PJ, he was just trying to have a go and trying to score points. And what does that have to do with me and my bills? Which is interesting. An interesting take on it. Let me go back down to those other ones. Yeah, John says, I won't be going because of the Sinn Féin solidarity labour involvement. They endorsed everything the government did during the pandemic. A big problem with that. But on the whole, these parties are all part of the establishment. Two wings of the same board. I think nothing will change anything until we see civil disobedience aimed at protecting the weakest. I would have thought that a march is a form of civil disobedience, John. Is it? Is it? I don't know. 0818 96 96 96. Will we do that poll? We'll talk about it and tell you in a minute. Jimmy wants us to take up a poll uh, between now and maybe the end of the programme. He wants to take up a poll as to whether people 
want a general election right now. We're thinking about it and we'll see. I'm gutted now. I'm going down west for the weekend and I'm not going to be there until this evening. But this morning, the great Steve Redmond, the great, great, great Steve Redmond, left Baltimore at 6 a.m. and he's coming up for five hours in now. Steve Redmond is attempting to swim from Baltimore around Fastnet and onto Mizzen today. He's doing it as a fundraiser for Marymount and trying to raise 5,000 euro. Oh, oh, I wish he was doing it tomorrow. I'd be down there to cheer him off at the pier. Good luck to Steve Redmond. He's an amazing man. He's an amazing guy, is Steve Redmond. He's attempting to swim from Baltimore out to Fastnet Rock, around the Fastnet, and into Mizzenhead. As you do. Five grand for Marymount. Good luck to Steve and all connected to him. 0818 96 96 96. I've lost my page here. I lost my place on my page. Ah, here we go. I have, there's a, a on the Bearer Peninsula, speaking of West Cork, there is a rainforest. Yes, there is. No, there isn't. Yes, there is. And it is the life work of a man called Owen Daltoon, uh, who moved there a number of years ago. Uh, Owen, a rainforest like you'd find in many different parts of the world. Good morning and tell me all about it. Good morning to you. Yeah, um, I I bought a farm on the near Iris on the Bear Peninsula back in 2009 uh, and moved there from Dublin with my family. Um, and what attracted me to to the, this particular farm was uh, the fact that over a long period of time of disuse, the, the the family that lived on the farm largely emigrated to the United States. Um, quite a long time ago so there wasn't really much done agriculturally with the land and uh, as a result it naturally reverted back to wild forest and that's what when, when I saw that I fell in love with it and and that's what what brought me to to there yeah. um, but was after, it purely for that uh, you moved like why did you move from Dublin to Irene's anyway other than it was common sense to do in one of those beautiful places on the planet <laughs> absolutely no it was really i think i think the primary motivation was really just wanting to to live somewhere where we had a closer relationship with the natural world um, and Dublin at the time, it was in the 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 throw in, in the midst of the Celtic tiger. It was all just too hectic and chaotic uh, altogether. So we wanted we wanted out of that. Really, we wanted to live somewhere where there was more of a sense of community, and you know the the pace of life was a bit slower. But as I say, above all, somewhere where we could enjoy uh, a much closer relationship with nature. Mm. And we found that in absolute spades where we went to live uh, in this spot uh, near Iris on the Bear Peninsula. You're there 12 years. And 13 what, and a half. 13 and a half. What, what do you do yeah. with this farm to rewild it? Do you just do nothing? Or is there a lot of work in it? Do you just sit there and let it grow? What do you do? Well, yes and no. Um, you 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 just sit there and let it grow. But there are some things required, and that the the 
they are really just um, counteracting human influences on the land. And that's that's particularly in the form of uh, grazing wild deer. So when, when I bought the farm, there was this incredibly beautiful forest composed of old oaks and about a, over a dozen other uh, wild native tree species but the forest was completely wrecked because um, you had a, a large band of feral goats that is uh, domestic goats that have been released into the wild were kind of hanging out in our immediate area and they were eating every last tree seedling that was that was sprouting uh, produced by the forest so they were preventing the forest from regenerating uh, and that was also allowing uh, a whole host of invasive plant species to move in and start taking over, the worst of which was rhododendron. So I didn't do anything, but what I did do was counteract those uh, human, uh, th- those two uh, impacts are, are really human because we introduced the animals and the plants that are, are causing that damage mm-hmm. and we disrupted the ecological balance that would probably keep them in check as well. So I applied for a grant under a scheme called the Native Woodland Scheme to fence out the grazers. And I started in my spare time going about removing the rhododendron and other invasive plants. Other than that, I just I just stood back and watched nature do its thing and yeah. enjoyed that immensely. It's just yeah. been absolutely wonderful to see uh, natural for- forest reform in areas where there were where there was previously only grass yeah. and do it does it all by itself no no input required yeah you you mentioned the rhododendron and and during the summer there when people were doing things like no mow may and letting their gardens grow a bit wild to to rewild them mm. as it were um my wife took umbrage she loves rhododendron <laughs> and thinks they're beautiful yeah. convince me in a minute owen why there's so much case of the rhododendron out there when it is such let's face it it is a beautiful plant yeah i think beauty is in the eye of the beholder but you know you really need to look at it at them from an ecological standpoint and i'm i'm sure they are beautiful in the places where they come from but in our native eco ecosystems they cause terrible damage um, they do so by by taking over, and and they do that particularly effectively in highly overgrazed landscapes. So if you go to, for example, Killarney National Park, uh, the park is is being completely overwhelmed by this by this kind of onslaught of rhododendron. Um, a, a mature flowering plant of rhododendron can send out a million airborne seeds per year uh, and given the right kind of uh, conditions each of those yeah each of those seeds can be uh, can grow into a new plant and be seeding itself flowering and seeding right. within about 10 to 12 years so if you stand back and do nothing the whole place can can be completely and, and utterly choked with rhododendron. And that is the case in many of our, our very few and tiny remaining pieces of, uh, of native forest. It's, it's such a tragedy. Yeah. And goats then, you, you, you had to get the goats away. Why? 
Well, again, they were eating every single native tree seedling and preventing the the the, the, the forest from regenerating. Uh, if that kind of a situation pertains for long enough, the forest will eventually just die out because any population of anything that can't reproduce dies out. Um, also, they were stripping out all of the extremely rich and diverse uh, ground flora that you normally associate with a with a native forest so there was literally from about head height down when you walked into the forest there was nothing there it was just apart from mosses and a, a few other things that the, the goats and deer won't eat there was literally nothing there so are there no uh, animals once, in the forest now on uh, there, there are there are small things like foxes and badgers and and uh, pine martens and lesser horseshoe bats have moved in over the last few years, mm. um, but but generally speaking, the Irish uh, native uh, woodland flora is pretty is pretty uh, limited anyway, you know. I see. I see. Can we come yeah. and see the place? Uh, generally, it's not open to the public. Um, the, the reasons for that is that insurance is incredibly expensive. I looked into all of that, but it was very, it was prohibitively expensive. Um, and also, it's only it's only a very small place. Like we're talking, we're talking about maybe thirty around thirty acres here. Mm. So if you had large numbers of people uh, constantly tramping through, I think it would have an effect on the probably ecology would. of the place—a negative probably, effect. Yeah, probably probably like reverse what, reverse the work to some degree. Yeah, what what I would highly recommend to anybody who's interested in experiencing uh, a wild uh, native Irish rainforest, um well I'd have two recommendations. The first one would be to visit Glengariff Nature Reserve at the start of the Bear, Bear Peninsula. Oh, yeah. It's in it's in really great condition uh, in contrast for example to Killarney National Park and all our other national parks, which are mostly, which are all ecologically trashed. Um, the other, the other recommendation I'd have, of course, is to read my my book, uh, which, An Irish Atlantic Rainforest, which came out yesterday, which was I've, released in into bookshops yesterday. I so just, I was just about to, to finish kind of by saying of, that <laughs> of what we're talking about <laughs> from the book. Indeed, indeed, it's called, like I said, An Irish Atlantic Rainforest: My Personal Journey into the Magic of Rewilding by Owen Daltoon. I'd love to see it. You wish you could send up a maybe set up a drone on and and get some video would be great but um, he's developed an Irish Atlantic rainforest in West Cork and written a book about it that's Owen Daltoon an Irish Atlantic rainforest is the name of the book and it's out today 0818 96 96 96 right let's do this then let's do this poll it's 10 to 11 let's run it for the hour and give you the result at 10 to 12 do you want a general election we have the cost of living protest tomorrow. We have another one in Dublin next week. We have the budget on the 27th of, of this month. But do you want a general election? Yes or no? So go election yes or election no to 083 396 96 96. Text or WhatsApp. We'll leave the Twitter out of it for today. Just text or WhatsApp. Do you want a general election? Do you think a general election would solve some problems? Do you think we need a general election to, as it were, clear the political air? 
Do you want a general election? Election yes or election no? Text or WhatsApp 083 396 Access all areas. With Cork Culture Night, Cork City. Enjoy free events in over 100 venues on Friday, September 23rd. See culturenightcork.ie on Cork's 96FM. Now, Deborah, I know that they've been explaining to you behind the glass there why we can't use the name of the person you believe scammed you at this point in time. But tell me what happened to you. You wanted to buy Garth Brook tickets like you and half the country. So what happened? Good morning. Hi, Peter. How are you? Um... Look, I was I was going, I wasn't going all along. Um, got a mad notion the other night. Said, right, you know, I had my one of my best friends was going to buy my kids me, and look, we'll go. Went into Ticketmaster for Saturday night. Um, no tickets, so I just put up on Facebook. You know, if anybody knew anybody selling tickets, you know, could they just let me know? One of my friends tagged me in a post on Facebook. Um, so of course I stupidly got all excited and messaged this apparent woman. Now, I thought, really, I'd have been fairly clued into these kind of things. Um, and I have to say, I for a while, I didn't see this coming. She couldn't have been nicer, you know, and told me what to do. Sent me on a screenshot of the tickets. So, asked her, how do I pay? Went into PayPal, um, and I suppose red flag number one came up when um, it was showing up in Sterling. So, I quer- went back and queried her about it and um, she basically just said that um, you know she was living in Scotland and for whatever reason they couldn't go and she was just selling the tickets so of course I took it at face value and okay put the payment through PayPal um, and uh, then she messaged me back and said that it was the payment she sent me a screenshot the payment was being held for 24 hours um, which I thought I've never seen that, you know, on PayPal before. I went, logged into my online banking. The money had gone out of my account straight away. Um, But I think my gut just kicked in. And I said, there's something not right here. So I questioned a bit more. And I was reassured, no, absolutely, there's no problem. Told me how great the tickets were. Messaged another one of my friends, do you think this is legit? Yeah, this seems fine. Um, Yeah. Because so, normally when PayPal are involved, Deborah, it, it, you kind of it's like a little security blanket. Like I won't buy anything online without PayPal. Yeah, and and I I, I kind of rule by PayPal as well. But what I found out later, no, she look, I stupidly did something. But anyway, she 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 requested that I pay through the family and friends option, um, because it was going to be a quicker transaction. Right. I went with that. What I have since found out through PayPal is that because I picked that option, I have no payment protection. Mm. So I was 
there was something just so I kind of went back and just said look I'm very sorry but I said I'm just not not picking up a good vibe in this you know can you reassure me look if this is not legit no problem just pull it now can you just refund me the money she actually when I'm saying she I'd say it was a, a, a man but she actually sent me a photograph which I thought was very strange of her passport of this alleged passport and I thought there's something definitely not right here but of course it was gone through it was too late Went to bed, woke after a couple of hours. It was just my gut literally kicked in. I went back into Facebook, into the feed that these tickets were for sale. Now, there was four tickets for sale. And I counted up. There was 42 people, including myself, had messaged, you know, are they still available? She got back, absolutely, PM me. Yeah. So I just thought, no. So I waited until it got to kind of a decent hour. <laughs> messaged her at about half past seven in the morning. And just said, look, you know, for whatever reason, I can't go now. I'm sorry. Is it possible you can give me a refund? I know that option is there. Um, she screenshotted me back that there was no option there for a refund. So I thought, okay. So I toggled off and did the school run, came home. I rang PayPal. Um, and I was told that the transaction Deborah, was... Deborah, Deborah, I'm going to have to stop you because I'm going to run right up against the news. Would you hold on for me... I will, of course. Through the news, and we'll tell the rest of the story, because this is important, because people think PayPal's 100% safe, yeah, and for the yeah. most part it is. So let's just take it up again, if you wouldn't mind, after the news. Will you do that no, for me? No problem, no Thanks, problem. Thanks, dear. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I went downstairs there during the news, as you do, and there was this load of sirens coming up from downtown. And then in between them, there was some fella in the loud hailer. I couldn't quite make out what the loud hailer was was on about, but I could hear the sirens and hear the loud. It turns out, it turns out that Cork City Fire Brigade are pulling a fire truck around town for the launch of the Mercy Heroes. And we do the Mercy Heroes every year. We mention them every year. So that's what's going on. If you heard a lot of sirens and a lot of shouting and a lot of loud healing, the Fire Brigade are pulling a fire truck around town for the launch of the Mercy Heroes. All right. 0818 96 96 96 is your number. Your text or WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. And the text or WhatsApp is where we're taking your votes on our poll. Following our discussions earlier this morning to do with the cost of living protest tomorrow and they expect and they're hoping for a big turnout some were saying well we should have an election to clear the air and sort out what's going on and all that and I said God don't draw an election on us but we said we'd throw it out to you seeing as it's Friday what do you think? Do you think there should be an election as it were, to clear the political air and maybe elect a whole new Doyle and a whole new government, if you could do that, to sort out the economic crisis. What would be your thoughts on a general election? Yes or no? Election yes or election no? 083 396 96 96. We let it run until 10 to 12. 
and we let you know what Cork thinks before we head out the gap for the weekend. Now, before news, I was talking to Deborah. Deborah wanted to go and see Garth Brooks, and she was humming and hawing again, as you do. So she decided to try and get tickets for tomorrow night. Uh, she couldn't get anything through Ticketmaster. Then she ended up in a conversation online with an individual who uh, said there were tickets for sale. It was going through PayPal. There was 130 odd euro involved. And Deborah, just before the news, we'd gotten to a point where you were kind of suspicious that your money was gone. This person wasn't inclined to refund it to you when you said you couldn't go. You discovered that uh, 30 or 40 other people had answered uh, her ad. And what happened then? Morning again. Hi, Peter. Yeah, as I was saying, um, when I came back from doing the school run, I, like, the gut was really, I, I knew straight away I had been stung then. Um, so I rang PayPal <clears throat> and I was told by them that the transaction was pending. But it was actually, which I thought was very strange, the my bank was holding the money for 24 hours. And I thought, no, I said to them, you know, it's it's gone out of my account. That's That's not right. Look, get on to your bank. I rang, if it's okay to say, I rang the AAB, my yeah. bank. Um, they were couldn't have been more helpful or sympathetic. They said, yeah, look, it, it, unfortunately, it does sound like you've been scammed. Couldn't have been more helpful. Told me to get back onto PayPal and tell them to refuse the transaction to go through, yeah. um, which I did. And when I rang back, now, this was all in the space of 20 minutes, a half an hour. And by the time I rang back, the transaction had gone through. Right. So I told them what I was told by the other agent, you know, and that I'd rang the bank. This is what the bank have said. Um, and uh, the guy told me that because I had chosen the option of friends and family, uh, and I have no protection. This is important that. for people, Deborah, to point this yeah. out, because going through PayPal, when you buy something, you, you kind of live with the comfortable mm-hmm. feeling that if it's not 100% comfortable, you yeah. can get onto PayPal and they'll halt or appeal yeah. or reverse. Yeah. But not if you choose friends and families. No. that's And that's coming from PayPal. Um, and I said, look, you know, I, the, the lady requested it. I wasn't aware of this, but I just and he basically said to me, well, by choosing that option, which is fair enough, I understand you're saying that you know this person, they're trusted. I understand that. So then I thought, oh, Dave, no, 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 no. So I, there was nothing I could do. I mean, like, I got back onto the bank again, and fair play, they said, you know, I could go through the whole fraudulent route, but to be honest, it takes months, and I have no guarantee of it getting yeah. back. In the meantime, I'm messaging this seller. Yes. Saying, you know, transaction has now gone through. Um, I I want, you know, I want a refund. A refund, I know you can do this. And again, as nice as pie, like looking back in the conversation, she was literally plumb-offing me until the transaction went through. Couldn't have been nicer. I really felt hook, line and sinker for this. Um, And uh, she basically messaged back. She said, OK, no problem. I'll just go and check. She obviously logged into PayPal and the transaction was gone through. And the next thing I was blocked. So immediately I went in to try and find the feed of um, where it was to warn people straight away. Couldn't find it in my notifications because my friend had tagged me. Um, I messaged her for her to go up. Sure, it was, it was gone. It was gone. No trace of it. Yeah, no, I have screenshots because, as I said, my gut kicked in during the night, so I was screenshotting bits of it. Um, screenshotted what she sent me and things like that. I have all that to put together, and, you know, I, 
obviously message Facebook. But, but I mean, like, there was a different name on PayPal. Yeah. I couldn't even pronounce the name, that's put it that not, way. To be fair, that's not uncommon. Okay. You see, that's another way you might get caught. That's not uncommon that sometimes you'd go and pay something perfectly legitimately through PayPal and the number, the email or something that you mm. send to is a mm. totally different... That 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 happens. But mm-hmm. the friends and family, that's a that's a warning thing. Mm. Like yeah, that. I was and, and tell me, Deborah, when you went into PayPal to do the friends and family option, mm-hmm. was there any kind of a banner warning asking you, do you trust this person? I don't think I don't think so. I don't I don't remember seeing that to be honest. No, I have done the friends and family before. Yeah. Um obviously, you know, with people I know. <laughs> I feel silly. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, feel yeah. silly no even in saying it, but <laughs> you know, but I know I I don't I don't remember that. Um and I suppose look I was so excited at the chance of getting tickets and I just wasn't taking anything in and just ran with it. <laughs> but when it showed up sterling, that was red flag number one. The passport picture definitely <laughs> threw me. But you know, it's it's easy if it's any consolation. It's easy to see all this stuff in the rearview mirror. Oh, you know, it is. The, the fact of the matter is that you're down 133 quid, which yeah. is a that's a good chunk of a weekly shop. Oh, so. that's that's what I was saying to Fiona while that's, that's the that. No, look, I I made the decision to take that hit this week. You know, and I was humming and hawing for months. Will I go? Will I won't go? But it was literally when my friend said to me the other day, look, go, you've had a hard few months, whatever, just go, it'll cheer you up, you need it. Right, I'll go with it, because I need someone to mind my kids, you see. Yeah. So then it's like, yeah, so anyway, um, no, I just I just feel, I thought I would have been clued in, but, but no. You, know, Deborah, she, you actually are the illustration of what every expert I ever talked to about this says. You're the very one will be caught. The mm. person who thinks they're clued in is the mm. very one who'll be caught. Well, as I said to Fiona a while ago, and it's a running joke with myself, if I actually had any luck, I'd be dangerous. So, you know, it's just, it just didn't work out. And I'm kind of saying, look, you know, I'm I'm not meant to go for whatever reason, and that's uh, fine. I've kind of accepted that. No, and that's fine, I've accepted that. Um, but what's getting to me is, A, I feel like I've been robbed. B. Yeah, I've um, been robbed. Yeah, well, B, I'd hate to see anybody else get caught out but even as I said a few a while ago if half of those 42 people yeah. have done the same thing that I've done even 10 people that's a ridiculous amount of money people Someone's have been caught out a handy couple of quid on this oh it's sickening it's sickening yeah a tough a tough few months eh yeah <laughs> like everybody else if you look you alright like is everything, is everything okay no, no, grand, ah, grand, no, just, like, it was a running joke the other day when I was saying I would go and I wouldn't go, and then a lot of people saying, yeah, this will be you all minute, at the last minute you'll decide to go, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, I did, and sure, this is what happened, so I'm not, I'm not meant to go, and that's fine, um, but it's just sickening what's going on out there, oh, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, all we're looking for is a break away for a couple of hours, and, and you know, um, and we can't even do that now. But look, it was it was my own fault. I didn't see it coming. No, it wasn't your fault. I didn't. It see wasn't it coming. your fault. It was the fault of the person who scammed you. Scams are the fault of the scammer, not the mm. person who scammed. And like you said, you feel like you've been robbed. You have been robbed. Mm. You absolutely mm. have been robbed. Mm. And I, I mean, automatically, then when I was driving the kids to school, I thought, look, I'll, I I really thought it was just contact Facebook. Or, sorry, contact PayPal, mm. and I'd get my money back or stop the transaction or something. I That's what actually got to me so much. 
that I yeah. rang, requested they'd stop the transaction on the, the bank's advice. No, it was gone through and there's nothing I can do about yeah, it. because you did it through friends and family. This is a bit like what I'm always saying to Deborah or saying to listeners about, you know, buying stuff at the front door. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if, if my darling mother turned up selling me lines for a charity at the front door, mm-hmm. I turned her away. Mm. And I think what what we learn from this is be very careful when you're asked to use friends and family. Yeah. Oh, I, I'll, be very I'll, careful. I'll actually never do it again, even if I'm <laughs> my best friends in the whole world. I I couldn't. I'm just. I know. I know. I know. And maybe maybe PayPal uh, should think about mm. a, an actual warning, like to put up. It's, it's very easy to do it. Like, mm-hmm. do you know this person? Mm-hmm. Before you click, do you know this person? Mm-hmm. Be very easy for you. All right, Deborah. Listen, it's it's been a tough. T- I wish I wish there was something I could do for you. I wish. No, I, could, you're I wish. Like, no, no, I wish I could turn around and say I have two tickets for Garth Brooks to get. I haven't. No, not the at all. Do you know what? To be f- had, girl. You know? No, you're, the funny thing is, I can't go. No, anyway. oh, <laughs> yeah. for God's sake. No, because and she'll actually kill me for saying it. But one of my best friends that was going to take my kids, she unfortunately has COVID back in her house. Oh no! So you see, I'm just not meant to go. So I'm saying, I look, thinking, is there any way I could get on to Aikens and get a pair of tickets for? You can't even go. It's, yeah, it's like, as I said this morning, unless Mary Poppins turns up at my door and is going to buy my kids for the viewer, I, can't, I actually can't go. I'm not, I'm not meant to go, and look, <laughs> that's fine, but I'll blame my kids for coming on air because they gave me the, the whole emotional thing this morning, Mom, you have to go on, it's the right thing to do, I might stop somebody else well, getting, you I know. I think they're right. I think they're right. I think you're right to come on, <laughs> and I know it's not, the, I, I know it's, only, it's Friday the 16th, but in your case... It's close enough to Friday the 13th to be close enough to that yeah. because you really yeah. are poxed with bad luck here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> as I said, if I had any luck, I'd actually be dangerous. <laughs> Deborah, so. listen, it's been a great conversation and thank you so much. Hard luck with you losing out to a scammer, but you take it in good humour. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety. Oh God, I wish you, don't you wish there was something you could do for a person like that to make it go away and make it sort, make it right? But there isn't. Right, Maureen, you can tell me more about this fire truck. Yes, PJ. So it's a vintage fire truck and it's a quirky fundraiser this morning in the city centre. So probationer firefighters attached to Cork City Fire Service are pulling it around and it's all to raise money for the Mercy Hospital Foundation. So it's it's a great sight to see and it's captured the, the attention of uh, many shoppers and people around the city this morning. People are being really generous. The, the lads have collection buckets with them, so you can't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> they have the sirens going and they've got the bells ringing and everything and there's, um, yeah, this group of probation or firefighters they're pulling it along I have some videos up on social media as well so Correct. if anyone how, wants how to, many are they pulling it? it how many are they pulling it there's oh I, I think it's 16 I'm not 100% sure on the number right. I think it's 16 I didn't do my math that's alright that's alright so and, and they're dragging it where are they, where are they pulling it where are they pulling it so it started um, at the top of Oliver Plunkett Street and it came down Oliver Plunkett Street. So the plan is they're going finishing at the Mercy Hospital uh, sometime this afternoon around 3pm, but they're flying through. So they, they came down Oliver Plunkett Street, they stopped by the GPO, they stopped at the fountain and then they carried on up there up by the, the opera house. And so, yeah, you, you see them as you go about your day. And, you know, I'd say some people thought that they might have been on their way to an emergency. But then when you look closer, you can see that it's, um you know, it's it's a novel fundraising 
and Fantastic. for us to um, buy them. And it's a tradition um, every year. It's part of the probationer firefighters, I suppose, their, their training um, that they get involved in the community and they support charity. So, yeah, so they're supporting the, the Mercy Hospital Foundation and they're they're really appreciative of all the donations and it's just, it's a fantastic morning, you know, for a Friday, it's lovely to, to, to see. Yeah, and as I say, there's some videos and pictures up on social media. But today as well, PJ, they're launching their new uniform. So it's a lighter oh. colour um, uniform. And the reason behind it is it was always a darker colour, but now that it's lighter, it'll allow the firefighters to see if there's uh, particles of, of dirt or anything on their uniform so that if that was to become harmful to them, like uh, carcinogenic um, materials, that they, yeah, so really interesting. Um, I suppose like, it was very interesting listening about it as to, to the reason behind it. So they've, it's been a few years in the making and mm. they've done a lot of research. So that's being launched this morning as well. So an interesting bit of background information on that as well. All right. Thank you for that, Maureen Tuig. Uh, downtown from the Gorks 96 FM newsroom. So the probationer firefighters dragging this engine around town to raise money for the the uh, Marymount or sorry the uh, Mercy Hospital Foundation for Mercy Heroes. And I didn't know that. Did you know that about a new uniform? Uh, lighter in colour so that dirt and dust shows up on it in case that dirt and dust might be toxic to the men and women of the fire brigade. Great idea. 0818 96 96 96. If you want a general election, election yes. If you don't want a general election, election no. To text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. We'll give you the result before quitting time. I love karaoke. Do you know what karaoke means? It's Japanese for empty orchestra. Empty orchestra. Yeah. I love karaoke. What did you do? I did. I'm too sexy by right, said Fred. Of course you did. There's two ways you can get me to go to something. Yeah. Right? Karaoke. Free jam box. Or quiz night. Okay. I'll go to a quiz night as well. What about a quiz yoki? You have to I... sing the answers. Oh my God, almighty. What have we just invented? Oh my God. <laughs> Cambodia. <laughs> <laughs> two packs for stairs. 1916 rising. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noldc.com open 24-7 yeah election yes or election no to 083 396 96 96 I mentioned this Tuesday it was passed at the council meeting on Monday night plans to erect a statue of Michael Collins in Cork City Centre taking a big step forward. 22 voted for, one voted against, and one abstained. The motion brought to council by uh, Fine Gael councillor Shane O'Callaghan. Shane, I would have thought we've got quite a lot of commemoration of Michael Collins around the place. Why do we need another one? Morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good, sir. Why do we need any more? We have loads well, do we have loads? I mean, in the city particularly, I mean, there's a bust of Collins in Fitzgerald's Park, but that's about it. Um, and I, I don't think that that's enough um, in recognition of someone who did so much, arguably more than anyone else, to achieve independence for this country and for, you know, establishing the institutions of this state and, and ensuring that this country was, you know, established a democratic state in this country. So, I mean, he's a, he's a massive figure and, uh, you know, recognised by all. And look, I mean, and I think that that's reflected in the fact that, as you said, um, of the councillors present, 22 voted in favour of this proposal. Um, Fianna Gael, Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin, 
the Greens, the Labour Party, the Workers Party and all the independents mm. in the council who were there all voted in favour of um, facilitating the erection of a statue of Collins in Cork City. He Center. has a bridge, doesn't he? He has a bridge called after him, that, that, that is right. But um, if you go to any other country in the world, um, you know, and they, they have the equivalent of a figure like Collins who basically um, was probably, you know, the main independence leader during that country's war of independence and then was essentially the first leader of their independent state before being, um, you know, killed in action or, or assassinated, depending on, on who you talk to. Um, you know, I mean, there would be, there's monuments to that person all over the place um, in those countries and probably every major city. Here we have a, a statue of him in Tanakilti. We have a bust of him in Cork City and that's it. And, and I don't think, I think that um, it's well overdue um, that another statue is erected to him in his native city. Um, you know, I mean, and like consistently, I think News Talk did did a poll even, I think, uh, either earlier this week or last week, for instance, uh, about who the greatest Irish person of the 20th century was. Again, Mikey Collins came out on top. He always comes out on top of polls because, mm. I mean, the vast majority of Irish, of Irish people recognise his enormous contribution to the struggle for Irish independence and the establishment of an mm. independent Irish democratic state. Oh, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to hard sell him to me, Shane. I'd be an admirer anyway. But what I'm getting at is taxpayers' money. Well, it's not taxpayers' money. That's that's one of the main uh, another. Explain that to me. I did see that in the paper, but explain it. Why, why won't this cost the tax? Because anything to be fair to you, I have no disrespect to you or any, any other member of the council. Any time a member of the council opens their mouth about something we need. Usually the taxpayer is paying for it. What's the difference well, here? Well, not in this case, uh, PJ. Basically, uh, my motion came about as a result of um, discussions which I would have had with um, three individuals, Jerry Carey, Tim Crowley and Noel Scandal. Um, Jerry Carey, you probably know it. He's a very successful car businessman. He'd be, he's a track record of getting things done. He would have been a big uh, employer. He's also a huge uh, Collins enthusiast and is very much in favour of of basically of a statue of Collins and raising the necessary funds. Tim Crowley and Noel Scandal are both members of what's called the Collins 100 Committee, which is a, a historical and strictly non-political organisation uh, whose goal is to honour the memory of Mike Collins. It's not associated with any political party. It's, 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 it's just it's a historical uh, association that uh, honour the memory of Mike Collins. Okay? Tim Crowley also runs the Mikey Collins Centre and Museum in West Cork and, and, and organize, operates the Mikey Collins tours on a regular basis. Okay, and he crucially is also, uh, was also one of the main, one of the main drivers and organisers of the fundraising campaign which, are, which raised the funds for the statue of Mikey Collins in Tanakilty. Mm. Um, and this group is now proposing um, to raise the necessary funds to create a statue of Collins based on the iconic photograph of him with his bicycle and um, basically raise the funds for it, get it commissioned, get it built, and present this to Cork City Council. And all Cork City Council have to do is facilitate its placement in a suitable place in Cork City Centre. Have you a place in mind that you'd like? um, Well, there's a couple of places uh, being discussed at the moment. I I ideally would like to see it in Patrick Street. That would be my uh, personal preference. Emmett Place has been mentioned. Um, A few places have been mentioned. Uh, Pembroke Street, which was another place, which is where... Um, you know, the entrance to the Imperial Hotel was, and you know, obviously he stayed yes. in the Imperial Hotel um, the night, obviously, before he, he went to Ben Leblanc. So there there has been several places mentioned, and we're, we're exploring those, and obviously it could, we have to meet with the executive now um, with, with a view to, you know, an appropriate location. But certainly, 
I'm not wedded to any specific place as long as it's it's a prominent place in Cork City Centre. But how, personally, how, I'd, I'd like to see it in Patrick Street, but that's just my personal. How quickly could all this happen, Shane? Uh, well, know that know that it has been passed by the city council in such overwhelming numbers. As I say, only one person, only solidarity. Councillor Fiona Ryan is the only one who voted against it, um, mm. and, and Lorna Bogue abstained. Mm-hmm. I don't know why she abstained, but anyway, uh, she didn't give a reason, and I couldn't really follow why Solidarity uh, Fiona Ryan abstained or voted against it either. To be honest, well, she anyway. said, "If I'm quoting, I'm quoting from the Examiner here." She said, "While she respects those involved from a socialist perspective, she had to vote against the motions." She said, "Michael Collins cannot be divorced." from ultimate repercussions of the pro-treaty side. That was her view. Okay, well, I mean, I suppose something that she didn't mention, but that could also be a reason, is that Solidarity, which is her group, um, are basically hostile, as far as I can see, to the idea of an independent Ireland at all. Well, Um, they're not here to defend themselves on that one. Well, you can have them on, but I mean, they're a front for the Socialist Party, PJ, and the Socialist Party, and it's on their website, one of the main goals of the Socialist Party is for this country to become part of a socialist federation of England, Scotland, Wales and Ireland. No, so there's no price. Do not open Pandora's box for me at 20 to 12 on a Friday, will you? (laughs) Please, no. I'm just saying, PJ, like, I mean, so, I mean... But maybe solidarity's hostility. To I'm looking forward to a quiet pint in the sun and down in West Cork. <laughs> no, no, but, don't, no, but don't. like, listen, don't, don't take my word for that. That's on their website. Good the man. Socialist Party is their goal. Yeah, I know it is. I know it is. To become part of a federation with England. I know it is. I know it is. But look, let's let's, let's come back. Let's come back to yeah. Michael Collins on his bike, ideally on yeah. Patrick Street's where you want to see it, and it could be done when within a year. We'd be hoping, and um, we'd be hoping, you know, best case scenario, and ideally that it would be unveiled, and um, for the, the centenary of his the hundredth anniversary anniversary of his death in, yeah, on the twenty second of August. Trying to get Liam Neeson um, to unveil it. <laughs> well, they got Liam Neeson to unveil the one in Clonakilty, so I mean, you never know. And <laughs> um, they, they certainly have contacts. With, I think they, they, Tim Crowley would would still be in contact with Liam Neeson because he was delighted to be asked to unveil that one. So I, I don't know uh, is the honest answer, yeah, but I know, I know. Um, you know, he unveiled the one in Clonakilty, and look, it's it's something, it's something that you know, it won't cost the taxpayer anything. I mean, you know, unless they want to contribute, you know, something. I mean, that that's great. But if they don't or yeah. they can't, that that's fine too. And I know I, I'd be very confident that the funds would be there, and with the cooperation of the executive and in fairness, the executive um, have been very proactive so far. They've and um, the chief executive and Darty has already set up a multidisciplinary group and yeah. um, of the executive to 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 basically work on it. So they've been very proactive since since okay. the vote was passed. I mean, the vote was only passed on Monday. Multi, so look, multidisciplinary groups. They're another thing you don't want to be hearing too much about at twenty to twelve on a Friday. But I take your, <laughs> I take your point, <laughs> Shane. Listen, I enjoyed our conversation. Good man yourself, Shane O'Callaghan, uh, Finnegale councillor on the proposal which has been passed by council to erect a statue of Michael Collins on his bike. Shane would like it done to be put on Patrick Street. It won't cost us, so they say, it won't cost us a penny. That's what they tell us. 0818969696. An election's a waste of money, sends one WhatsApp message. An election won't solve anything, is another. Mick says from Balifahan, I'm not going to vote yes for an election, even though I want to see a change of government, because I think the only election that counts is a 32-county election. Anything other than that is just propaganda. But I think we are getting there. 
And it was very interesting to hear the two contributors earlier in the morning keep up the work. Yes, Mick, that was, and we'll podcast that, was a very interesting discussion on the Ireland of the future and the possible unification of the 32 counties. Mick, thanks for that. We keep your votes coming in for another 10 minutes or so. Do you want an election? Yes or no? Always. Three, three ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. On scams, same thing happened to me in the early stages of the pandemic. For tickets in Sea Church, Ballycotton, the event was run by Collins. They're targeting small events that are sold out. I got a message on Messenger, says Fanula, from a cousin living in Florida. Very, very plausible. Supposedly she was offering me a discount for delivery of online shopping. I didn't shop online. They asked me about the family. I said, so-and-so is sick. Then follows the link. Thank you to for the heads up. This is a scam. I got blocked. I then emailed her to say, you have been hacked. Thanks, Fanula. Now, it's the second weekend of the Pitched Circus and Street Art Festival. Loads of stuff going on. I mean, loads and loads and loads of things going on. Late night performances as well this weekend, particularly for the over 18s, it's a late night cabaret. And also a first for Ireland as Kundal Crew come to Cork to perform their show uh, Blame Game. Alessio Mata is from Kundal Crew. Hi Alessio, I've looked at your photographs. Looks like a very exciting show. Morning. Hello, good morning. Wonderful to have you with us on the programme. Tell me about Kundal Crew and tell me about your show. So, Kundal Crew is an international group. We formed uh, around uh, 2019 and uh, with uh, uh, Crying Out Loud, we managed to pull together a team of artists from uh, different backgrounds and uh, uh, different uh, uh, ethnicities uh, and we... Uh, basically made this show thinking uh, into a post-Brexit world where uh, everything is changing so much uh, and the commoners as were uh, living with this political background around us and uh, uh, making choices based mostly on uh, on, uh, where are the problems and who is to blame for these problems rather than... uh, taking the responsibility to try and fix uh, what is there at the moment. And um, basically we are, we are expressing uh, this uh, uh, through our circus arts, through dance and through juggling. Yeah. Um, the, the team of artists come from London, come from Ireland, Poland, Sweden, <laughs> I'm Italian. Uh, so... It's uh, it's been amazing from crying out loud uh, the, this production from uh, from London uh, Somerset House uh, and uh, getting as well various funds from the Council of Arts in Ireland. Uh, without them, wouldn't wouldn't have been possible because they have been supporting us before COVID, during COVID. So it has been uh, it has been amazing that we managed to to pull this off. Uh, in these uh, years of pandemic, so, and, so it's uh, it's a it's yeah. a circus type show, juggling, acrobatics, dance, all set to hip hop music. Yeah. Yes, yes. The production of the music has been done by Gregor Szczerek, uh, known as a Ketchup. He's a Polish artist, uh, and uh, yeah, is always managing to create this incredible atmosphere with his uh, with his music. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, so you're on the Centre Park Road Circus Factory on September 17th, which is Saturday. What time is it on, exactly. Lesio? Uh, I, I remember, maybe maybe I remember wrong, sorry, my... Uh, my my memory with times is always a little bit wobbly, but it uh, should be around seven, and uh, we are there at Circus Factory uh, for this weekend. Okay, well, look forward to a great weekend again, Alessio Motta. Thanks for being with us from Cundle Crew. All the information and tickets and stuff that you need, and the time that Alessio admits he's not too certain of, you'll get it at pitchedfestival.ie and you can book some tickets there. 0818 96 96 96. There's a lot on this weekend, actually. Six hours they're queuing now, by the way. Just thought I'd check in. Six hours they're queuing now in London. The average queue time, six hours to get in to see the Queen. And it's running to four miles. So you're going the equivalent of from City Hall. You're ready. City Hall out to Grange now is where you'd be if you were queuing to see the Queen in London. 0818969696. I don't normally quote the proc directly. We have a good row row from time to time. But on the subject of the protest march tomorrow, Barty says, like, what do people actually expect to achieve? Do they think the government is happy with spiralling costs? If people are concerned about budgets, then start readjusting them yourself. Turn off your lights when you're not using them. Use shorter showers. Dry your clothes on a clothes horse. And don't use the dryer. None of this energy crisis is the government's fault. People need to start acting like adults instead of using the blame game, which is interesting. Thanks for that, Barty on the proc. Now, the name of this event, Bikers and Baps, you just have to ask someone what it's about. Burr Harrington, what is it about? Bikers and Baps. Morning. Good morning, TJ. How are you? Good. Um, it's basically, uh, we're just holding kind of a breakfast meet at the Oliver Plunkett um, on Sunday from 9 to 11. Um, Malcolm in the Oliver Plunkett has kindly donated the food that we're supplying and the teas and coffees. And um, it's just in lieu of a donation towards the Irish Community Air Ambulance. So it's just trying to raise funds for them, basically. So it's just going to be a, a group of bikers and whoever's passing, if they want to donate, we'd be delighted with it. Right. So it's a load of bikers. Come. This is a bit like the... I know that Anne Gerbier, who runs, who runs the Toy Run, is involved with this as well. Um, this is bikers of Cork <coughs> coming together for breakfast at the Oliver Plunkett. Yeah. To raise money That's for it. the Irish Community Air Ambulance. And it's called Bikers and Baps. Tomorrow when... Sunday. No, so it's, it's on Sunday morning. Yeah, it's between nine and eleven a.m. Okay, and it's hosted by Shamrock Rose. So. Okay, Shamrock Rose Motorcycle Club should be a good crowd in and good photographs. Hopefully, yeah, and the weather is looking good as well, so we're looking forward to it. Where are you all gathering? Are you are you, are you meeting up, or are you just going to arrive from wherever you come from? Um, uh, we'll just everybody will just gather at the event. Okay, okay. So they come from all over Cork and we might have a few coming up from Kerry as well. Good, good. 9 to 11, Sunday morning, 18th September at the Oliver Plunkett Bar. It's called Bikers and Baps. It's in aid of the Irish Community Air Ambulance and the bikers of Cork getting together to do something nice for the Air Ambulance who do astonishing work. And it's it's like, it's kind of becoming, quickly becoming one of Cork's favourite charities to support the air ambulance, because you never know. You never, never know. Um, 
when you might need one. 0818 96 96 96. Is she still, are you there? Are you? Yeah, um, Barry, let me ask you, why did you choose the air ambulance? Was it because everybody... Well, I know two close friends of mine, um, both bikers, and one wouldn't be here today without the service. Um, he had a serious accident in January, and he's actually up in Dunleary now. He's doing um, physio and stuff like that to try and get back on his feet, but only for them, he wouldn't be here today. Like, Where did that accident happen? Uh, it would have been in the kind of Cork-Limerick border. Right. Right, and the ambulance got to him and got him to town. And they did, they did. Yeah. Only for him, he wouldn't be here today. And, you know, you hear of so many stories like this, and it's not only bikers that help to do cardiac arrests and, and, like, hill walkers and everything, and just medical emergencies in general, you know? Very good. Very so good. it is a vital service, and it's it's all kind of charity-funded as well, like, so... It is, yeah, and th- something like you know, three, three, and a, three and a half thousand every time they put that helicopter in the sky. Yeah, every tasking is three and a half thousand. So, and like I think last year they had five hundred and twelve taskings alone. Like, so it's only increasing. You know? It is indeed. It is indeed. And to your friend who wouldn't be here only for them, I guess that'll be very much on your mind as the bikers of Cork get together tomorrow or Sunday, rather Sunday for bikers and baps at the Oliver Plunkett nine to eleven. Oh eight one eight ninety six, ninety six ninety six. So we asked you the question. Do you want a general election? Do you think a general election would sort all this mess out? Would it clear the political air? Might you get a new government that would know better what to do about the energy crisis? All those questions in the run-up to tomorrow's event downtown at 2 o'clock. 56% of you that voted this morning would like an election. 50%. I thought it might be wider than that. 56%, 44% if you said no, and some of those who said no said, well, it won't really change. It's where we are, folks, in 2022. That's it, the programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. I'm not here Monday. Fiona sits in, behave yourselves, and I'll talk to you Tuesday just after nine. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.